Welcome to Shame of Thrones, your weekly recap for HBO's vending machine with nothing but baby Ruth's in it, a Game of Thrones. My name is Doug, with me as always is Brian. Baby Ruth? Well, you don't like baby Ruth? Uh, it's probably, I don't know, my least favorite uh, candy bar. Really? It always seems to be in every... Yeah, it's... Why would you get it? Like, I guess, um... Three Musketeers is another one I just... I don't get. When I was a kid, I oh, kind of liked you're it. Wrong. What? Yeah, you're, it's good. What's the worst candy bar, in your opinion? Oh, man. Uh... Like an Almond Joy Mound situation? Because I hate Yeah, I was about to say, anything involving an almond. That's <laughs> yeah. bullshit. That's not candy. Yeah, that's almost like eating it's a hell snack. It's yeah. basically like having a salad. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who wants to do that? Plus, right. I mean, you know how much water it takes to grow an almond. Yeah, know? and if you're living in California, that's just unconscionable. Yes. All right, so this is um, season one, episode two, The King's Road. Uh, we are still engaged. It's been a while, but we are still engaged on our rewatch project. It's been going uh, good pr- so far. Um, and, you know, <laughs> we're losing steam. I'll just say that. Uh, but no, we are enjoying, I, at least I am, I'm enjoying Says watching Says you, pal, I'm hype. <laughs> do this i'm I'm actually enjoying watching this show i'm kind of enjoying it again uh because like i said i never rewatched uh the series i've read the book several times um but i haven't watched the series um through a second time so this is it's very enjoyable uh so let's just give our initial impressions what do you think Uh, i like this episode i mean it was uh in retrospect now you kind of know what all these things were but it really uh this episode when you first watched it i mean it was just like what the heck is going on with all these different things um, it went out on a real bummer note, and um, I mean, the 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 hurting the direwolf is probably my least favorite thing in the show. I think I've mentioned that before because the characters themselves are just characters; they're, they're more like puppets to me. Yeah. But the, the for whatever reason, the uh, animal abuse really strikes me. Well, plus the animals aren't acting. You know, the people <clears throat> are acting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Animals are just they're living life. It's more of like a documentary for the animals. Yeah, well, for, for a complete like uh, setup episode, I mean, this, this it, was, it was interesting throughout. It moved at a quick enough clip. Um, it's fun. I like this episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I enjoyed it too. And it it uh, from what I recall, it lacked action. I don't know. There probably was some, uh, but I don't, I don't remember anything. Uh, it was primarily it was primarily like you said. It was a it was an intrigue episode, and it was getting from point A to point B and setting up a lot of mysteries and um, you know. Plots uh, and, you and continuing see, to, to to build the schism between the the Lannisters and the Starks. Yeah, and that's pretty much the big the big uh, <coughs> whatever through point here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very uh, I enjoyed it. Um, we'll give uh, ratings at the end. I don't know if we gave ratings for the first one. We'll have to do that again when we get to ratings. Sounds all right. good. All right, let's start off. So we're in, I guess, presumably the Dothraki Sea. And uh, Danny's uh, hurting from the repeated rapings and uh, riding her horse all day. It's taking a physical toll. Jorah, this guy that uh, was from the Seven Kingdoms, tries to comfort her, reveals that he's an exile, and he was exiled from Westeros, first selling uh, prisoners into slavery. Um, the series hears about this and uh, you know assures them that uh, you know <laughs> that won't be a problem when he's in power. But you could already tell um, Jorah is not a big fan. He, in fact, says, we're not too far for you to turn around and go back to Pentos. Um, but, you know, Viserys is just a douche. Yeah, he keeps it, he keeps it real, Viserys. Hey, you know what? This, this scene raised a question to me. Would you eat a horse? I don't know. I would eat horse jerky. I mean, I've eaten deer jerky. Um, 
think that's different. I think he, the horses exist in a region kind of between, um, almost between uh, animals that we eat and animals that are uh, like household animals. Yeah, that, and that, I know that, that my... restaurants serve horse, and I think they eat in like uh, I think maybe it's France they eat horse. No, they I don't eat know if I could eat a horse. Oh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I know my answer to this. I, under no circumstances, would eat a dog, um, and that's common in other societies. I can't imagine, given how I know you, you would either, right? What kind of dog? <laughs> like a bad dog, like <laughs> like a Shih Tzu that shit on the carpet yeah. and was a very bad dog. No, no, I, I don't think I could eat a dog. I, I, but, you know, I've never been in an apocalypse either. So Right, yeah, exactly. If, if we were in dire situations or it was the only thing to eat. But, yeah, yeah. like salted or like, you know... Jerky anything doesn't really taste like, you know, it usually tastes like salt or whatever preservatives they put into the meat to uh, make it last, uh, not being refrigerated. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't enjoy it. I imagine I would do it. Now, a horse heart, which we'll come to later oh, in the... Yeah. Yeah, that... And, and I think they describe it in the books as being like real stringy meat. All I imagine is like oh, cold egg or like lukewarm beef stroganoff, just the, you know, bits of... Strings of meat getting stuck between your teeth. It just seems unpleasant. Yeah, speaking of unpleasant. <laughs> so this scene uh, was really, I think it was just designed to show you that Danny's struggling so that we kind of see what her arc is in the this initial season of she's going from being this uh, beaten down, can't can't survive with a Dothraki to eventually becoming the Khaleesi. Um, so I think that's what really this scene was about and also remind us how cool Viserys is. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty cool. But I agree with you, and I think that's the justification the showrunners will use for the unnecessary reaping in the uh, alteration in the ner- in the first uh, episode. They wanted yeah. to bring her solo so that they can have this arc. And, I mean, it's really what they do to Sansa, too. It's like, this is how... Uh, I guess this is... I'm just guessing this is a justification that they would use, is they want to have the female character as low and as powerless as possible before they bring her back up. Um, Which they don't really do to any males, obviously. <laughs> so... Anyway, so uh, so then we go back to Winterfell, and we see uh, Tyrion sleeping in the kennel. Uh, there's some back and forth between Joffrey and Tyrion, which I think is, is one of the first real scenes where we get the um, an impression of the relationship between the two of them, where Tyrion's really the only person who calls out Joffrey on his bullshit. Uh, and I think, th- I don't know, I don't recall from the first episode if we saw how shitty Joffrey is, but I think this scene no, in yeah. illustrated how shitty he is. Also set up the hatred... Uh, between the two of them going forward, and we, you know, later with Joffrey's named King and how he tortures Tyrion uh, almost to no end. Um, then we see the Lannister family breakfast, and they discuss um, how Bran's living. Of course, this sets up the Cersei and Jaime uh, becoming concerned and realizing that they're in trouble. Also, some um, some exposition regarding the Wall and how Tyrion's about to visit. And this was um, this scene really provided some good insight into Tyrion. In general, because he's funny, he's witty, he's charming. I mean, that. that yeah, I think they did. This is where they planted the seed that he's the good one. You know what I yes. mean? Of the Lannisters. And they're just trying to show that he's not like the rest of them. He's he's funny. He's got a sense of humor. He's smart. He's sassy. Yeah, and he's not even embarrassed that he slept in the kennel with a bunch of dogs. He's just chalking it up to boys will be boys. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. You know, and um, during that breakfast scene, he, he reveals that Bran's going to live, and he, he looks at both Cersei and Jamie and says something like, 
Yeah, I'd be very curious what he'd have to say when he woke up. Like, he kind of knows or suspects that his uh, brother and sister had something to do with the brand's fall, right? I, w- I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention to where he was looking. No, uh, he definitely looks, and, and, he, he, and he says that, and at the end of it, Jamie says, My dear brother, sometimes I wonder where your loyalties lie. Um, so Jamie caught the whiff of his insinuations. How would he even have any clue of that? That's what I'm saying. That's, that's yeah. unless like, you know, if you're a first time watcher, you might think, well, they may have killed a few people defending their incest. Um, Cause it seems like I, I know Tyrion knows, or we find out he <clears throat> knows later, but, um, but yeah, I, I didn't understand why he would even suspect um, Cersei or Jamie of having anything to do with Bran's coma or his current condition. Yeah. That'd be a lot of pieces to put together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the simpler explanation, Occam's razor. I mean, it, why, oh, the kid fell. I mean, that's really simple. Yeah. I mean, people can say all, the, all they want about how he's sure footed. This fucking kid thinks he's Spider Man, scaling walls of buildings. That are, right. But if you go back and watch it and pay attention, Tyrion says it staring into his breakfast and then looks up at, you know. Yeah. So he, he does it intentionally, or at least the filmmakers um, filmed it that way. Um, so so I, I think they're providing way too much prescience. Then I, I just don't, I don't see how he could have had any. I agree. I thought it, it once yeah. again. I thought it was strange. That's why I mentioned it. So, mm-hmm. and then uh, still at Winterfell, Cersei goes to visit Catelyn as she's watching over Bran. Um, Cersei has this humanizing moment that's just not in the books at all, where she says she lost her firstborn son, who had black hair. Ding ding ding. Um, now, I don't know what the point of this divergence is besides to humanize um, Cersei and to bring to t- hint at the mystery or the uh, the intrigue of the incest bastard mystery, which is going to dominate this first um, season here. Um, but I, don't, I, I guess that's the only reason to... What, why did you think they added this extra bit between Cersei and uh, Catelyn? Yeah, I don't know. Well, first, in the books, she did not have a son by Robert Baratheon. Right. Which None. is, a, I mean, it's a huge difference because, I mean, that, presumably that would have been the, the rightfully rightful heir. But um, I, I think initially, I, my guess was that they were trying to have her have a moment of humanity that she's sharing with Catelyn Stark. Right. And then she turns around and, and we find out later in the episode that it's apparent that her and Jamie were involved in ha- attempting to have Bran assassinated. So, I mean, I think it set up this, uh, try to set up just how deceitful and conniving Cersei was. Um, while th- at the same time, uh, attempting to show how uh, upset Cat uh, was. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think is they wanted to make her, um, more of a human being. So, um, well, but but they, they, if she is in there saying these things and being nice and saying that she's going to pray for Bran, and then she turns around and hires an assassin, I mean that just makes her look so much colder because she. Well, I, I don't she, think she, she did so, hire. I mean, she didn't hire the assassin. I think they they allude that it was Joffrey. Really? Yep. Okay. Because it was just dumb uh, when you think about it. Because the assassin used a special um, dagger. Um, that was made of Valyrian steel. It was a Valyrian steel dagger with a dragon bone hilt, uh, and it was one of Robert's blades. Um, so it's just presumed, and I, I, I don't know what the evidence is, but it's the popular belief is that it was Joffrey. I thought it was Cersei and Jaime. Why would Joffrey set out to kill, have Bran killed? 
I don't I don't know what the justification is. I think um, he heard things like people saying it's a you know it'd be a mercy if he um, if he died. Um, I really don't know the motivation there, but you know if it, if it was Cersei, it's extra sloppy even for her. What they she had a, the the kid the assassin I think had a blade that uh, belonged to Tyrion at some point. Right. So I think she might have been trying to pin it on Tyrion. Right, and it belonged to Littlefinger before that. Yes. So you think Littlefinger would have something to do with this, but then again, Littlefinger is not around for Bran's fall, uh, so I don't know how he's involved at all. We'll put a pin in that, and we will try to solve that going forward or put the clues um, as we watch the rest of the season. Um, No, we're figuring this out now. No, absolutely not. Okay, let's move on then. (laughs) All right, so Jamie is a piece of shit and gives John. A uh, whole bunch of crap for joining the Night's Watch just belittles the shit out of him. It was just a real, you know, alpha male of the group douchebag. Um, you know, just basically saying, he does say, oh, you know, if you didn't if you didn't make the right choice, um, it's no big deal. It's only for life. Yeah. Which is fine, because John gets a second one, so. Yeah, you're a super noob. Uh, and also, the, the, the interaction between the two, I think, gave additional insight into the Brotherhood, because... I mean, thinking back from the viewer perspective at this time, we—I mean—we've heard the, the, these terms thrown around like the Brotherhood and taking the black, but yeah. there's still we still have so little clue that the continued repetition of the exposition, I think, is helpful for making sure that the viewer understands or at least thinks they understand, even after they go and read the recap on Wikipedia. Right. You know, it's still so dense that um, you know a, when you read the books, you can kind of go back to reread the page again and then maybe go look it up, take some time to digest it. But the show moves at a pretty breakneck pace, so yeah, the repetition that, of these themes really helps. I agree, and I think this is the first time that we get uh, maybe an inkling that the Night's Watch isn't what it's John thought it was going to be. Yes. And later on the road, Tyrion brings it up again, um, how it's not uh, you know, the fairy tale that uh, John's led to believe as far as defending the... The, the realms of men and all that nonsense. Yeah, you, you could tell John thinks it's a really noble cause. Right. Well, it also lets him get away, but, I mean, realistically, it's a fucking shithole at the end of the world. And, right. I mean, I, I, what, I mean, what's the happiest you'll ever be there? Nobody really tells him, you know, you're going to be in this thing that doesn't have any resources. It's cold as shit. People just want to kill you all the time. Yeah, you, the, you, the, it's stocked primarily with people who were facing <laughs> prison or castration. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's not it's not a great situation, but I can see why John fell in love with it from the stories, and also he's a bastard, so he's not going to inherit any lands if he has to he has to make a name for himself somehow. You know, he could be a mercenary, I guess, but uh, the the Night Watch is a noble cause, and Ned even says that later. So could he could he, could John be like a knight in service of House Stark? Uh, that's a that's a great fucking point. I imagine he could be. Because um, that'd be a good that'd be a good outcome. I don't know why he couldn't take lands. I mean, it wouldn't be in the Stark name. That's a very good point um, because like uh, like Kevin Lannister is the well, you know, he's he's a lord in his own right, I guess. But he's Ty, Tywin's little brother, and he's like his right hand man and marches with him, and I imagine is an anointed knight. Um, so I I don't see why that's not a possibility. I'm sure there's a reason, but. Um, Probably wants to get away from Catelyn being a, a bee to him all the time. Yeah. Uh, a bee. 
All right, so... Um, that was short for butthead. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, so John gives Arya a custom sword. Uh, we get Needle for the first time. And it's obvious that uh, John and Arya have a quote-unquote special relationship. And I think this is because they're both, like, outcasts. I mean, she's a tomboy. She's, you know, not like Sansa. She's not a little lady who dreams of princes and getting married and, you know, sewing shit. Um, she wants to fight and run around and, and be a badass. And then, once again, John's... Um, an outcast because of him being a bastard. So I think they bonded because of that, and I think that's what this scene was all about. Yeah, and it reinforced uh, Arya's a sassy pants. You know, and I think that this thing has to pay off. I think that the two of them have to end up at least seeing each other again before the series ends because you can tell how strong their relationship was prior to this. And you notice he's this, this is the only, uh, I guess, half-sibling that John goes and they have a scene where he he specifically goes to see that person. Uh, I know he sees um, he Bran sees, as well, but that's there's oh an yeah yeah sorry Bran yes yeah and then well you know what we're also going to see him reunite with Bran I think eventually as well. Well, I mean Bran's well he's not at the Night's Watch any or he's not at the Wall anymore, but Bran's right at the Wall. So I imagine yeah. what is Bran going to do? Hang out at the Night's Watch, Night's Watch, or the, uh, the Castle Black or whatever? I can't imagine he would. If John is King of the North, at least for a little bit, um, and by the way, spoilers, we're going to have a spoiler warning later. Um, if John's now King of the North, that means he's in charge of all the domain, and I imagine he has a pretty good relationship with uh, Dolores, who we presume is the new, who has the wall, and is the new Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. So I imagine, like, Bran, in one way or another, is going to meet up with John. I don't see how that's not going to happen. Yes, I think he's he's going to meet up with San, uh, with uh, Arya as well. Just That'd just be too many Starks. I think like some if they all meet up, somebody's going to die <clears> there, right? It's going to be a Stark family reunion up at the uh, up at Night's Watch. Yeah, and then there's going to be I don't know a um, a Grumpkin going to come in and kill two of them because there's no Shh. way we're going to the Starks can be happy. There's just no way. I I just think that the Needle and Arya are going to help John in some way based on this scene, but that also is giving the uh, writers, the show writers, a lot of credit, whereas I think George R.R. R. Martin would, will pay this scene off. Um, I don't know. Maybe the show writers won't because of uh, myriad reasons behind the decisions that they've made. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. All right, let me get Catelyn um, just being a bitch to John as John comes to say goodbye to Bran, just being ever-loving, uh, see you next Tuesday. And uh, Ned comes in and sees the end of this interaction. Oh, she's like, I want you to leave. Like she just she hates. in the book she threatened to call the uh, call the guards to get him out of there. She's oh. even worse in the book. No, oh, look at you bringing the book knowledge. Yeah, dropping right. it. Dropping it. You want to pick it up? Because I just dropped it. All right. So uh, yeah. So she's just a you know she's a bee as it were, and um, you know. I don't. I forgot what Ned says. Ned Ned talks to Catelyn in this scene, but he doesn't mention John for whatever reason. Uh, no, they discuss a little bit. Uh, they do mention. They do discuss John a little bit, where she gets mad. You went off to war seventeen years ago, back and came up with some other kid or other woman's son. So she's still upset about that. Seventeen years old. It's not a lie. It's some other woman's son. Yeah, yeah, and it was funny that he, they used that language specifically. I agree. Yeah, and John actually says to Bran, he says something. Um, I wrote down, we can go out walking beyond the wall. Uh, when he discusses how he's going to, you know, he tells Bran that he's going to go to the wall and become a Night's Watch. Yeah. He specifically says, we can go out walking beyond the wall. So I, I wonder if that's going to pay off as well. I know I'm digging pretty deep here, but 
uh, I have a feeling that that uh, something something along those lines is going to pay off, at least in the books. Well, that's fine. I mean, that's that's what we're doing this for is yeah. reading into it because we we have nothing else to do. Uh, we want the story to continue, and since it's not continuing, we're going to try to continue the story and kind of forecast what's going to happen. That's just natural. Sure. Um, yeah, there was more exposition on John, and then uh, this. Uh, this uh, Ned or Catelyn tries to convince Ned to stay and not go to the Night's Watch or yeah. to I'm sorry to Winterfell or King's Landing, and this just underscores again how Ned he keeps making these choices and as Catelyn says you have a choice, Ned says he doesn't because of honor and Ned this honor thing is just it makes him make bad decision after bad decision. Um, yeah, but he uh, people say that and it's absolutely true, but he has gone out of his way to. Um, go against his honor on several occasions. And we see it, you know, at the Tower of Joy. We see it when he um, forges who's supposed to inherit the crown um, when Robert dies. Um, you know, he's he's dictating what Robert says, his last will and testament. And he, instead of saying Joffrey, he puts my rightful heir. Uh, so there's several examples where Ned Stark is dutiful and honorable, but he, up to a point, I mean, the hell, the reason why he got his head cut off is because he confessed in order to try to save Sansa and Arya. Um, right. So he's willing to, especially for his family, not be honorable and not do the honorable thing. But yeah, for the most part, it's his honor. And uh, I mean, I, I see the position he's in. He's, you know, it's the king. You kind of have to do what he says um, to keep peace because, I mean, it's it's probably in a monarchy. It's probably, you know, you're either with us or against us. Yeah, I don't know. Despite Catelyn saying that, I don't know that he did have a choice. No, I don't think he does. I don't think Robert takes no for an answer uh, ever. Uh, Especially comes so. when it comes to the sack. Ask Cersei. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Anywho. <laughs> so, so then we see uh, out in the courtyard in Winterfell still uh, Rob and uh, Rob Stark and John say farewell. Uh, it was interesting. You could see the uh, respect and, and the camaraderie. They, they, I think the the two of them view each other as actual brothers. Yeah, or at um, least equals. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, jo- like Rob. Rob knows he's the heir to Winterfell, but he sees John as e- an equal. He doesn't see the, him as like his his stupid bastard brother and keeps him at arm's length and treats him like a second class citizen. Yeah, like almost like Theon does to him. Which is funny because Theon's the piece of shit ward there. You know? Right, exactly. Um, and this was interesting to me is that it's funny in retrospect that uh, that with John leaving, he actually probably had he actually does I think have the most legitimate claim to the throne we know now after Tower of Joy, but he's treated like a piece of shit by the Starks because of presumably because of Caitlyn. You know, like he was not allowed to eat dinner right at the ball or at the uh, the the feast. It, it's it's funny in retrospect, I think. Yeah, it, it's ironic, I would say. Yeah, yes. but um, but it, it you know it makes a it makes a lot of sense, and I guess Ned is he can't he can only push so far, you know. Yeah, and I I understand that he told Leanna I I won't tell anybody. I still don't know why he didn't tell Catelyn. I I still I, I agree hundred percent. I think I brought this up last week. Yeah, I mean it's just a plot device. I mean they had to do it in order for all this shit, like uh, because if Catelyn knew, she wouldn't have been treating. John like shit this whole time, and he might have just stayed at Winterfell, right? He's, you know, obviously, exactly. There needed to be some conflict, so I understand it from a narrative perspective. Perspective, but at the same time, you're absolutely right. He should have mentioned it to at least her. Um, yeah, and he didn't even have to tell her. He could have just said, 
I, I cannot tell you what is going on here, but let Trust me just me. tell you this yes. is not my son. Right. Just keep your goddamn mouth shut and yeah. <laughs> let him not be not, yeah, tortured stop. his entire life. You don't have to treat him with love. Just don't yeah. don't be a complete bee hole. Yes, precisely. And I we got the line from uh, John, you Starks are hard to kill when he says goodbye to Rob. Um, which I guess they are, but not really. I mean... <laughs> not that sure that's the case. Yeah, I'm not so sure that's the key, case either. Um, no, if anything, the Lannisters are the ones that are hard to kill. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, only yeah. one of them's died that we've seen, just uh, time. And it was at his own son's hand. Right. So it takes, you know, it's like it takes a god to kill a god, I guess. Um, sure. So they all head out, uh, both the people that are going north and the people that are going south, head out to um, to leave Winterfell. And at the fork, John and... Um, Ned have this moment, and John starts asking about his mother. Is his mother still alive? Blah blah blah. Is this what about my mom? And Ned says a classic. <laughs> Next time I see you, we'll talk. I'll talk. Tell you all about your mother. <laughs> yes. And this was in the book as well. So this is the greatest. Mm-hmm. Like, go fuck yourself, audience. You will never get this. Um. So I mean, we obviously know about his mother now, but like. Uh, you know, it's just, I guess it's just, it's part of the drama, you know, just right. If they would have seen each other again, maybe a lot of things would have happened or a lot of things. John wouldn't have joined the night's watch for Christ's sake. Like you would have thought, I don't know. Ned should have told him like, if John is going to go to the night's watch and, and make a huge life decision by agreeing never to have kids or, uh, hold lands, basically not be a lord. He should have said something to him about his parentage before that happened. Well, this is my theory on this thing, is that uh, the reason he says I could tell you afterward is because John at that point will have taken the black, and so at that point he can't be assassinated by anyone because he's a member of the black. He's forsaken all of his inheritances and all that shit. So basically, after John goes to the wall, then he's no longer a Targaryen, and nobody will come after him anymore. And so just Ned specifically waited that to that point to tell him the truth. I guess I mean that that is that would keep him safe, but at the same time, he's either a, a grown ass man or he isn't. And I guess Ned is still treating him like a child, and he's about to make a grown ass man decision about spending the rest of his life uh, with the Night's Watch, not knowing who he is. You know, but knowing see, who he, he is might make it might make a difference, and I understand that'll put his life in danger. Yeah. But at the same time, that's his decision. Like you can't treat. You know, that's that's treating a grown-ass man like a child. Like, it's like um, letting somebody fight in a war or not letting them drink at 18. Here we go. And don't Classic get me started. Tug political rant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I wonder, I don't know if it's ever made explicit the reason uh, that he doesn't tell him at that point, but I think it's uh, that it's the protection aspect of it. And so. once again, that's it makes for good... Um, Good storytelling, so... Yeah, because if you knew right now, then we would have had the Tower of Joy pending, right. hanging over people's heads for 20 years, so... So then we go to uh, Robert Baratheon and Ned having a picnic. Yep, um, I wrote down picnic specifically. Yep, they're discussing fighting and their humping histories. <laughs> um, Robert Baratheon's just the worst. <laughs> Isn't he? I, I See, people give uh, Robert so much shit, but like I said, I think he's self-aware. I think he is a douchebag and, like, you know... 
a total, you know, total uh, alpha bro idiot, but at least he knows that he's a piece of shit. Um, I think he's more self-aware on the show than he is in the books. Um, but, you know, he just seems like one of those guys. And, I mean, what is a king going to be besides one of those guys? I don't I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I get. if you don't want to be king, don't be king. You know, I don't know why he feels that he has to be king. And he damn sure knows he's doing a terrible job at it. Um, right. But anyways. So then they also, uh, they discussed Ned. Ned's the supposed uh, woman that Ned had an affair with that led to John. That's the first time we hear the name Wyla. Yeah, and it's never really touched upon again, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wyla's almost like the the kid who had a girlfriend from Canada or I, summer I, camp girlfriend. I thought the exact same thing. I yeah. was like, this is the girl from Canada that you tell everybody about when you go back to school that you met over the summer. Uh, I, it's got to be just a made up name, right? That he's like stuck in a lie and he's got to talk about Wyla. So, what color hair does she have? Uh, kind of like a. A brownish red blonde. Yes. Like he's just making shit up. I mean, that's got to be the the explanation, right? Or was Wyla like a real person? Maybe like one of those uh, uh, the nurses that helped deliver John, or maybe a wet nurse to keep him fed while he brought him back to up north. I mean, um, it could be there could be any number of explanations other than. I mean, I think the simplest is just he just made some name up. Right, and that's that's what I did. I used the Occam's yeah. razor, and I said simplest explanation: made up girlfriend, made up uh, you know summer fling. So I'll, we'll go with that. But uh, Robert does say at the end, you know, I know Ned. God damn it, Ned. Oh yeah, they do talk about. Um, they got a letter saying that uh, Danny has married a horse lord. And Robert showing his anger, once again, not forgiving the Targaryens. And, you know, from his perspective, uh, it makes sense. Them being alive is a threat to his kingdom. It, it just is. Yes. So I can't really fault him for wanting to kill Daenerys. Yeah, and I think also this scene, again, and I know I keep saying this, uh, it's designed to provide some context into the um, into the the Targaryen, why the Targaryens are no longer in charge because... I think there's been limited exposition on that aspect here uh, until this point. Um, so just con- continued exposition as we go. Yeah, and Robert also says, damn it, Ned, there's a war coming. I don't know who we're going to be fighting, but I can feel it. So, you know, this is, and once again, I don't know if this is in the books, but this is just, you know, some preternatural uh, foreshadowing that Robert has that there's going to be a war now, whether that's the War of the Five Kings or the fight with the others slash White Walkers, who knows? I don't. I. I. Can't, I mean, I, I more got the impression that it's a uh, some fat slob running his mouth. I don't know that he. Actually, <laughs> He's just like they're coming to take our guns, the Ned. Yeah, they're coming exactly. to take our guns. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he. I don't know that he has any foresight. I mean, obviously, it might be the author foreshadowing. Um, but if you believe in death of the author, I don't think that that Robert Baratheon has any great insight other than. Hey, maybe Danny can make her way over here. But I, if I was between the two of them, I think Ned has the more rational response to the news of Daenerys Targaryen. Although Robert might have the safer one from his perspective. I, I agree. I think I think they both have good points because uh, Ned is right. She's a long way away. But at the same time, you know, if you are going to engage in this bullshit, um, you know, fealty system, you have to eliminate your competitions or or claimants to the throne you just have to i mean that's why you know 
I mean, Ramsey is a piece of shit, but I, you know, you knew he was going to dispose of Fat Wyla and uh, Walda. Fat Walda. Yeah, well, she was an imminent threat. I mean, if none, no Dothraki's ever crossed the narrow sea. But she's still a potential. Eminent or not yeah. potential, like, you want to deal with her when she's across the sea, or do you want to deal with her when she's invading Dorne, uh, or she's landing in Dorne with a thousand ships or whatever she's doing now? Right. So, right. I, I can see it from both perspectives, and I guess, you know, as we get further along, Ned's protestations of not wanting to kill Danny um, is just... Um, projecting his feelings about John. Um mm-hmm. so I mean it also sets sense. up conflict between the the crown and and Ned as well. But man, I do like that phrase uh I do like the phrase horse lord. Yeah. I don't want to be called horse lord. <laughs> you want to be called horse lord. No, horse lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, you Well, you keep eating a horse and maybe you'll get that title. Oh yeah, yeah, you are what you eat. All right, so we go to the Dothraki sea um Danny continues to get raped, so that's fun. She goes to her happy place with her happy place stare, be staring at her eggs, uh, and that's really all I got out of this scene. Uh, that's all the notes I took. But yeah, I wrote down a uh, Dothraki base camp, non-consensual sex scene, gross. Yep, that's and that's about it. That's about it. So let's move on. Yep. Okay. All right. So then we go. Uh, we're on our way to the wall. Uh, John and Tyrion are stopping for their night and. Uh, John asks Tyrion why he reads so much, and Tyrion says he has to be of use to his family or bring honor to his family, and he can't do that with a sword because he's a dwarf, so he has to do it by being smart. And uh, uh, a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone, I believe is the uh, quote, or close enough. Um, but we also get the um, another further example that the Night's Watch isn't what it's cracked up to be by seeing several dudes who were chained up um, get fed for the night, and Tyrion says that they are rapers heading for the wall. They chose to be parts of the Night's Watch instead of lose their balls, and Tyrion says that most people take the knife. Yes, yeah, some of these phrases, I wonder if that's, this is a, like, a, because George R. R. Martin's from America. Uh, I think he's from Bayonne, New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's what Wikipedia says, yes. Yeah, so he he uh, he uses these phrases like rapers instead of rapists. Like there's a lot of like these twisting common phrases or words yeah. and like using say of, pie instead of pizza and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. He says biscuit instead of cookie. So I wonder if he's <laughs> like, uh, if he thinks that's old timey language or, uh, I, I, but I think it's like, it's, it's, I think that's what he does with this, uh, series in general. Like Catelyn's just Caitlin only spelled, um, like an idiot spelled it. Or like <laughs> you have that line, like, Peter Baelish is really Peter, only he changed it up. Like, I think he does that on purpose. Like, he and I, I appreciate it. It adds to being like a different time and place without it. Me trying to pronounce names like Lothlorien and you know Zandahar. I don't know, like just crazy ass fantasy names. Um, yeah. So I think it's part of what he does with the language. He just changes it up slightly. So. I, I I I appreciate him calling them rapers instead of, um, you know, voluptuousness-ers sure. or something like making up a Dr. Seuss type of name, which is what we get in fantasy all the time. Yeah, all those Dr. Seuss names for rapists. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that from my Too many rapists. <laughs> remember when he had to do that book using only 40 words and one of them was rapists? Yep. <laughs> Sure do. So, anyways, so 
Uh, yeah, we we learn. I think that this scene also. Um, we had talked earlier about how uh, Tyr- we the scene at breakfast. Tyrion is displaying how charming he is. This is displaying how I, mean, I think this is the first inkling that we get of how smart Tyrion is and how he uses his, his mind more than the sword, which is very uncommon in uh, this this time and place. Absolutely, and I I put down uh, asterisks. These are two Targaryen uh, <laughs> bastards, possibly. Um, just having a conversation, and Tyrion is kind of acting like the big brother, which he potentially could be, um, or uncle, if uh, the rumors are true. So the rumors are that the Mad King um, uh, fathered um, Tyrion on Joanna Lannister. Mm-hmm. So that would make, if Rhaegar, Rhaegar is Jon's father, that would make uh, their relationship uncle and nephew. So... Tyrion is definitely taking a kind of like paternal, um, like a paternal vibe with John, and that's you know he said he said that earlier last uh, episode when he was talking about you know never forget who you are. You're a bastard. The rest of the world won't. Um, so he's been giving them all sorts of you know life lessons and shit. Yeah, well, he, I think he's all around good guy because he even comes back later and brings Bran the saddle. I mean, right? But he's Tyrion- definitely he's 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 a good guy with some sass. He's like house. You know, I've never seen that show. I've never seen the show, but you know the conceit. Like uh, a doctor who saves people's lives, but he, you know, talks shit and thinks he's above them the entire time, which yeah. is basically what Tyrion's doing. He's like uh, anti-hero, I guess. Sure, sure. So then we go back to uh, Winterfell, and uh, the Grand Meister is bringing up local government affairs, uh, but Cat doesn't care. Rob decides he's going to take care of business. Uh, Rob and Cat discuss some issues, um, and then Rob spots the fire. Of course, that's when the assassin runs in, and uh, the assassin uses the classic line from Clerks: "You're not even supposed to be here today." <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it's, there's it's, a little it's his day off. Yeah, exactly. There's a little tussle. Brand's dire wolf shows up and uh, just rips the neck out of the assassin. Yep. So this is another situation. Uh, where dire wolves are important, and <laughs> later on, dire wolves are not important at all. No, because later on, uh, giants and dragons become important. And, and, and it's and going back, I really didn't care when we watched the Battle of the Bastards. I was like, oh, you know, I I like to see Wan Wan, but Wan Wan didn't do a goddamn thing in that fucking battle. The, the uh, what he did of most importance was knock down the door to get into Winterfell at the end. Um. Tell you what, I, I think I'd rather have had uh, like great uh, ghost in that situation. I think, I, I think because the show has set up the importance of the dire wolves, especially in these first couple of episodes. We're just two episodes in, by the way, and the dire wolves seem to be of great import. Later on, you know, Sansa loses her dire wolf, and it's of great import. Um, that it seems like such a backsliding thing to do to dismiss them like they're not even there like they only show up to die um yes it's very unfortunate so this is your your weekly doug rant um dire wolves are people too <laughs> they're better than people uh, probably yeah yeah so then we go back to back to uh horsey base camp and uh danny's talking to her attendants they're discussing dragons uh i think that's one of the first hints that we get that there were dragons or there might be dragons or at least the mythology of dragons, um, and then uh, she dismisses all of her attendants except for the one 
who is going to give her some the sex ed lessons. Yeah, knows how to how to bang. Uh, not much to this scene. Yeah, uh, I will just say that like we get the backstory that some people think is uh, the explanation for um, the long night and how Westeros is a post-apocalyptic world. Essentially, uh, that uh, dragons come from the second moon. Essentially, the sun blew up the moon, the second moon, and launched. Uh, that's it. Blew up into a hundred dragons that fell to Earth, or a thousand dragons. People are saying that this is um, the idea that a comet or an asteroid hit the second moon. Um, it resulted in a meteor shower that plunged the world into darkness because of all the soot and ash that fell to the Earth from the debris. Um, this is also, uh, they're saying that's how dragons are made just because, you know, uh, they're on fire. All the meteors, you know, when meteors enter the earth, they're basically rocks that catch on fire because of the friction of the atmosphere. And this is also one thing that people ex- point to that explains the crazy seasons. Like this um, absence of this second moon has put the planet, whatever it is, not earth, into a strange um, orbit that is causing strange seasons. What do you think about all that crazy bullshit? I think this is so far beyond the scope of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's all these theories. And, uh, you know, you go back and read the old books before this and read, look at the maps, all this shit. Yeah, maybe there's something to it. But Jesus Christ, what are you doing with your life, man? Yeah, again, I didn't. I didn't come up with this theory. I will tell you that. No, no, I no. I'm not, I'm not referring to you specifically, but um, I. I don't know. I. I if it, I don't care what happened before the book started. I mean, other than what's germane to the actual show, some of this stuff. <laughs> some of this is just nerd shit, right? <laughs> I it's so no, it's so far beyond nerd shit. I, I, there's not even labels for what it is. Um, yeah, I just thought it was. I don't know. I like the speculation. I like the craziness. Um, I like people trying to tie everything together, and, uh, you know, uh, I guess George R. R. Martin's been quoted as saying, we will find out why the seasons are irregular. Um, I didn't know that. During the course of the story. So, um, maybe this is a part of it, maybe it isn't, we'll find out. But I just thought that was a, a nice explanation. But yeah, you should read, like, you should watch, either, don't read anything, because that takes way too much time. Watch some YouTube videos about people that uh, have these uh, theories because it's quite um, it's quite interesting. Because all like the people that it, you know they talk about you know obviously there was some kind of night. Um, the, just the common mythology is there was a long night, basically a time when winter lasted for a thousand years, or essentially the sun was gone, and then people retreated underground. Like you have all these situations of people living underground. Like uh, at Winterfell, there was hot springs, and there's the crypts that go down and down and down. You have the children of the forest and Bran living underground. You have Casterly Rock, which is basically a mine. So there's all these like hints that people lived underground for a long time because um, of a long night or apocalypse. So I just think it's fun. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'll get to those YouTube videos. I have anything else to do. (laughs) Right. Like paying Pokemon Go. Yeah, sure, sure. I'd rather walk into traffic playing that. No, it's just, it's so, it's just so much. And so, and I, I, I'm glad to hear that he might confirm some of this stuff, but I have, uh, I don't like to go down rabbit holes that deep where I don't know if there's going to be an answer. Yeah, but do you appreciate like, um, ha, uh, like a lore in the, in the world? 
You know, I tend to skip over and not pay attention when they tell these bullshit stories. Um, I know that I know. Listen, I know that a lot of people want to go that deep and good for them. I, I know I'm contradicting what I just said. Uh, it's I, I can understand how it's fun. I just and like I mentioned before, with the uh, a lot of the working stuff. Where if it's not germane to what's happening right there in that scene, I just kind of tune out and I don't spend the time to go back and think about what this could mean. I I, I, I don't know. I mean, I see that. Uh, I just think you know if it's just once again we're examining this. The story, the plot is not moving forward. So, of course, we're going to pay attention to what the drapes and look, uh, you know, look like, and we're going to ask, Do the, does the carpet match drapes? We're just going to do that. So that's what's happening. So yeah, we go. Terrific analogy. Sure. <laughs> terrific analogy. Yeah. All right. So uh, we cut back to the road to the wall, and for some reason, Benjamin, Ty- uh, Tyrion, and John are riding ahead, and we get uh, our first look at the wall, and it's a massive structure of ice. Well, we saw it as an audience uh, in season one during the prologue, but not not to this extent. I mean, it, it's it's massive and it's imposing in, in right. the scene. Yeah. So um, to not divert from the previous topic of conversation, who do you think built the wall? Do you think it's what they say this mythical guy called Bran the Builder? I mean, this is something that could be germane to the plot. So who built the fucking wall? That's the. I mean, that's the only one theory that I know of. Um, I don't want to keep poo-pooing this stuff, but it's just – I don't have time to read you know, 30 different theories on what, what this is or watch. All right. You- so I, I would say the the top three contenders are going to be Bran the Builder. Like there was some yes. mythical uh, you know, Stark this, uh, ancestor that could build all sorts of shit. It's either the children of the forest who we know are magical and live there for you know, I guess some undisclosed amount of time before peep, uh, men showed up. And mm-hmm. then it could be the others of the White Walkers putting up a barrier to keep people out, uh, which is a possibility or a theory as well. I th- I always thought it was Bran the Builder. Right. That's what that's what the people believe, but obviously that's a myth. There's no dude, you know. It's like saying that some guy drags the sun across the sky in a chariot for Christ's sake. Um, it's obviously a myth. Is it? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I kind of thought. Yeah, of it because the sun the is we're actually the surrounding the pyramids. Yeah, we're, you know, well, like, those are ancient aliens. Oh well, yeah, I forgot about that. But uh, all right, so you don't want to play this like? Uh, this I just game, I don't so have anything to offer. I, I don't I don't know anything. You don't even want to just care to speculate uh, in ignorance. That's not fun for you. Uh, I don't think it's fun for a listener. Oh <laughs> well, fuck it! it if, was, we were, if we were if we were if we cared about the listener. Stadium. We wouldn't be doing this right now. We I, I don't. I don't up. have any. I mean, I thought it was Brand the Builder. I didn't know that there was any. Um, there was any uh, speculation that it was the Children of the Forest or it was the White Walkers. Um, I don't know how that would make sense in the context of the show. That hey, now the White Walkers are trying to get down there and to kill all the people. I mean, it might make sense that the Children of the Forest worked with the uh, Brand the Builder or at least humans. I mean, I think of Brand the Builder as representation of humans led by a person named brand builder um yeah possibly you know and then i, I mean the children of the forest we know that they have the uh, magical powers to uh create a barrier for uh so least- you're gonna go with the combination of column a and column b brand the builder in conjunction with the children of the forest that's all i wanted you to do i mean i think that would make sense I, it doesn't make any sense to me that white walkers were involved that's fine uh, yeah it, so. it's made of ice but that's okay all right, moving on. We're going to Winterfell, and Kat is doing some investigative work, and she finds a long blonde hair in the broken tower where Bronn fell. 
Um, and she shares her news that she thinks the Lannisters were involved. She doesn't think that Bran fell. She thinks he was pushed. And she shares this with uh, Rob, Maester Lewin, and for some reason Theon's there. Um, they just they agree that they need to tell this information to Ned, um, but they can't trust a Raven with this information because it's so explosive or uh, volatile. So somebody's got to go run, tell him. Rob offers to ride south, but we get the line, no, you must stay here. There must always be a Stark in Winterfell. Once again, we don't want to talk about theories, but that's also a theory that there's some kind of oath that a Stark needs to be there or else shit's going to go down with the White Walkers. But uh, we don't want to get into that because Brian doesn't seem to be having any of it. So I'm, No, I'm just, it's so far uh, <laughs> above my knowledge. I can't even, I mean, I'm happy to listen to you talk about it. I just... I can't speculate on it because I don't know almost nothing about some of these theories. Right, and I think it's the fun of it is we don't know nothing. We we don't know nothing. Yeah, We're I know like, my grammar was just as bad as yours. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, as Jon Snow, as Egret would say to Jon Snow, we know nothing uh, about the White Walkers because they haven't been seen in thousands of years. So all we have is all this uh, ancient mythology that people like Old Nan are mentioning. So we're trying to piece that together and try to make sense of why this is happening now. Um, and some people think that the Stark and Winterfell is a, um, somehow has something to do with the White Walkers and how now that there isn't a Stark and Winterfell or there wasn't for a long period of time, um, that was a problem somehow. But who Gosh, cares? It's all, how would that even happen? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's an unfounded theory. I'm just dropping them all in here just cause, so yeah. we have something to talk about. But yeah. essentially... Um, the long part of the story is that uh, Catelyn decides she's going to go south to tell Ned um, her suspicions that um, that the assassin was sent by the Lannisters and the, and the Lannisters tried to kill Bran. Yeah, she went all CSI uh, Winterfell on this thing. She had that hair and was investigating. I can imagine yeah, she Yeah, can was, you imagine if she had a black light? There would have been semen all over that for yeah, Mentally, oh, I don't know if Jamie busted. No, this was, this was round three. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> they were going at it for at least a couple of hours. So that was all subtext then, I guess. Yeah, you, you just got to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so then we go back to the the to Tothraki uh, base camp, and we, it turns out that um, Danny is uh, Khaleesi in the streets and a freak in the sheets. Um, <laughs> Drogo, Drogon comes in for his nightly... Uh, round of hide the pickle and decides Jesus. it's her turn to, to, to be the boss. And uh, by the way, Drogo uh, has a sweet ass. Yeah, I um, mean, he's a good looking guy, but I, I was just commenting that he doesn't look like just like, I don't know, like Chris, Chris Helmsworth, just like muscle mass. Like he doesn't seem to be like uh, two movie star, like just eat, he eats creatine or something. He just seems like a big guy. Who's yeah. got a lot of uh, who's who's whatever works out and is in shape, but it doesn't seem to be like massive like a pro wrestler or anything. And I think that's how he looks now, getting ready for the uh, whatever that shitty DC movie they're trying to. Oh God! <laughs> they should have had the guys from Entourage do it. Uh, Aquaman. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so that you can, so now Danny's in charge, and you could tell that the producers think that they have like something here. Like now she's finally got some agency, right? And, re and really, but realistically, her agency is. Hey, he's no longer raping me. Right. Now, now, now I'm kind of in charge. Now, at least he's looking at me when he bangs me every night after going and getting I drunk with no, I still have no say on whether we have sex. Yes. I just have a say on whether it's, uh, you know, whether 
whether it's forcibly taken or not. Look, he's been out eating and drinking and having fun, and I'm back here ready to get it. Right. But at least I get to choose the manner in which I get it. I mean, it's, awesome. <laughs> it's like uh, being able to, like, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't even come up with an analogy right now. Oh, I was waiting for a, yeah. a badass metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a horrible analogy. It's like, now I can set the stove timer from uh, away from the house with my iPhone. It's like she had the vacuum, but now she has a Roomba. But that's, she's still she's still responsible for that floor. Absolutely, that's that that's that's much better than what I was going to come up with. So that works. Anywho, uh, yeah, th- it's still even though like the, yeah, it's just her agency feels false. Um, yeah, but it, this is how it plays out in the books at least. So it's a little bit more um, in line with that. That that she did have a consensual night on their wedding night, but since then. Uh, she doesn't. She's still like a you know uninformed child. I mean, in yes. the book, she's like thirteen or something. So they aged everybody up in the show, but she doesn't know what she's doing. She's she just she's unexperienced in the ways of love, and she's trying to uh, have some agency by exploring that uh, part of her, um, and that's fine. I I I don't see. I, I I just question. You're you're absolutely right. I question how much uh, of uh, I don't know empowering this is for her. Yeah. Well, I, moving forward, it does seem like uh, after this scene, although it's not part of this episode, uh, Kyle Drogo does take her more seriously, and she becomes not just uh, not just w- what she was before. I mean, basically a real doll. Um, now, moving forward after this, she because she seems to have some influence over him, which is out of line for this um, this society. Right. Other than other than the uh, the the old ladies that uh, their cows died, I forget the name of that organization back home. It is the Dosh Kaleen. Yeah, there you go. So, so then we go to uh, I, I guess it's on the King's Road. They're stopping, um, and we have a scene with Joffrey and Sansa. We meet Ellen Payne. Which is the bald gentleman who doesn't speak? So, was Ellen Payne? He was in the books, right? He certainly was. He's basically takes the role of Braun as uh, Jamie's traveling companion. Oh, okay. I thought he was. I thought I had remembered him, um, but he didn't. He wasn't um, in the show very much. But I remember his name from the books quite a bit. Yeah, more. they they decided not to pursue it. They, and like I said, Braun is basically uh, taking over most of his duties. Plus, I think the as- actor, the Aster. Got throat cancer or some kind of uh, ailment. I don't know if he died or was just so oh, sick that he couldn't continue the role. Um, yeah. But he just, you know, it's crazy because he he looks, you know, he. I think he was laying it on pretty thick with the crazy eyes. Um, he almost looked, I thought it was funny, um, instead of intimidating. He just like yeah. glared at Sansa. Um, maybe he's not a great actor. Maybe it was good that they cut him out. Yeah, and I mean, I think the character, especially on the screen, the character of Bronn is so much more interesting than Ilan Payne. I mean, I can imagine having a character on the screen who doesn't talk for extended periods of time. That might get kind of boring. Yeah, but I think in the book it works that Jamie's able to tell him all his secrets and how he feels about um, his sister and how he mm-hmm. has sex with her. And he basically uses Ilan Payne as a, um, you know, as a... Confessional, yeah, as Catholic priest in a confessional, he can say whatever he wants to him, knowing he can't repeat it to anybody. Like Um, a real world confessional booth, right? And um, you know, it works in a book. I can see how. Yes, obviously, I I want more Braun, but I feel like Braun was in this season and they didn't really use him at all. Um, I didn't enjoy. uh, 
I, I didn't, in, uh, and by this season, I mean season six and even in season five because they were in Dorne for the most part. So I do like Braun when they use him right, but uh, I feel like he's he's just been wasted lately. Sure. So uh, Joffrey and Sansa talk, and we, we this is one of the uh, scenes where we really start to see what <laughs> Joff's a piece of shit. Um, and how like he's threatening, uh, more or less threatening Ilan Payne and the Hound and telling them to go away. When I mean, realistically, I think Sansa could probably take him if she wanted to. Uh, so they go for a stroll. Joff's day drinking, stumble on Arya and the Butcher's Boy, uh, sword fighting. Joff tries to be tough. I don't even know what the point, why he's doing it, other than he's a complete dipshit. Yeah, he's just an asshole. Yeah, and it's that, it's it's that entitlement uh, shit because he's like. You're just a butcher boy and you want to be a knight. You know, that's not supposed to happen. Um, yeah. You threatened, uh, you're, you're, hitting, you're hitting my my uh, bride's sister and you're just a butcher boy. How dare you? He's just in, asserting his dominance for no reason. I guess yeah. he's an asshole. He's a little asshole. That's that's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, so, uh, Nymeria intercedes. Uh, Joff is a crying bitch. Arya and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> Arya throws the sword into the lake uh, or into the river uh, then that kind of ends or we know Arya's hiding in the woods she's found, makes Nymeria run away uh, and the manhunt ensues yeah I want to point out that like when when uh, Nymeria fights um, Joffrey he should feel lucky because <laughs> the previous, I don't know earlier this episode Another yes. person attacked uh, one of the Stark children with a with a blade, and that person got its goddamn throat cut out or bitten off. So, uh, so Joffrey should consider himself lucky that he only got his hand mauled. Number one. Number two. When Arya's standing over him, she points the sword at Joffrey's face, and she gets a crazy ass look in her eye, like she wants to do it, and it's only like Sansa uh, pleading stop or don't, like wakes. Um, Arya out of her like days, uh, so I thought that was excellent acting by Maisie Williams. But that's also foreshadowing to how much of like a crazy psychopath killer Arya is. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I did, and that would have been awesome if she ran him through. But <laughs> yeah, but then we um, wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, then we would have a show. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, she definitely has crazy eyes. I'm not making that up, right? No, no, not at all. Okay, cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, so then, uh, we learned that Arya was found by the Lannisters. Ned returns, leads to confrontation over what happened. Sansa lies, says she doesn't remember. She's a complete piece of garbage. Yeah, uh, I hate Sansa. I mean, yeah. this is, this is why it's so hard to, I don't know, like, I can forgive Theon <laughs> more than I can forgive Sansa. Like, I still hold a grudge. It wasn't just getting her father killed. It's all these other things that led to it, and she just didn't learn. I mean, siding yeah. with Joffrey got her direwolf killed, and she still continues later on in the season to side with Joffrey and uh, Cersei. Um, she's just so dumb to the point that it's it's frustrating, and I can't I can't uh, identify with her. And I still hold a grudge with her. I I like her a lot better now, and I know she was just a girl, but still. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, the thing is that this was all wrapped up, and then fucking Cersei wants to have a direwolf killed. Right. Cersei's and, just being a bitch. It's poetic justice that it's Sansa's direwolf killed. Uh, but it just illustrates how the Lannisters are real goddamn assholes. Right. And how Robert Baratheon's also a piece of garbage, because... Well, it, he doesn't it, want to be man enough to, like, stand to say by no. his... Yeah, to say I no. I mean, he's, 
Yeah, he's willing to slap her around in later later, um, episodes, but... I mean, and this is the kind of thing where he could have just said, no, you're not killing the direwolf and walked away from it. I mean, it's not – I mean, granted, the, the show would not have set up this amount of conflict that it does set up. But Right. God. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. We're gonna, it's going to be full of that. I feel like this rewatch is going to be full of, god damn it, if they would have just stopped here or made this yeah, one decision. Yeah, just so many inflection points. But this this one, because it led to the, the death of a direwolf, it really pissed me off. But it was it – was, uh, it was again poetic justice that it was Sansa's direwolf because she was the one who yeah, could have just said it's instant karma. Like yeah. it is, it is another example, and I, I am a firm believer that that's how uh, George R. R. Martin um, uh, morality is uh, executed. It's, it's primarily through karma, a karma wheel, um, and that's what happens. You know, she lied um, and took Joffrey's side, and she gets rewarded for her lies by having her direwolf killed by her dad. Um, yes, but yeah, I agree with you. With Robert, it's just another example of Robert not being a great king. Uh, Ned stops him as he's walking out and says, "Is this your command?" And instead of saying "Yes, it is" and owning it, he just turns and walks away and leaves it like he's washing his hands of the whole situation, like he doesn't even want to deal with it. Yeah, and he, I'm sure he realizes his kid is a piece of shit, or at least a supposed kid. Right. This this would have been just another, I'm sure, in a string of opportunities to say. You you cannot be this big of a piece of shit. I did like that 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 moment when he turned to him and said, "You let yourself be disarmed by yeah. a girl," and, and and fucking Joffrey has nothing to say. He just looks uh, down in shame. And I thought that was, you know, that sums it up. It should have been it. You're right. He shouldn't have let uh, Cersei in, impose her will. Yes, absolutely. And Cersei is just be. I mean, she's just being vindictive. Spiteful. Yep. Vindictive. There's no other reason for for that. Nope. Doesn't accomplish anything. It's not going to heal John's or Joffrey's hand. It's just you know um, an eye pushing for an her eye. husband, fight, trying to upset the uh, Starks. Stupid, right? Just dumb. So then we see that the hand ran ran down the butcher's boy, which uh, you know just more of Lannisters are garbage. Yep. And you know this these first couple episodes, and I know that you said that you kind of root, not necessarily root for the Lannisters, but at least you. Like them from the perspective of, hey, these are archetypal bad guys. Or- I, I like Cersei in the fact that she's such a she's such a good bad guy. I do not like her as a person or a character. I don't identify with her and want to you know have a drink with her or anything like that. I don't want her to be president in uh, two thousand. But um, I think she is a good bad guy, and I was upset in season six how she was just you know, so pushed to the background. But obviously that was done for a purpose in the show um, to show her ascension. She was coming out of nowhere to be queen badass. So I'm looking forward to season seven, her having some more power and at least being so much more of a piece of crap. Because, I mean, this is a dick move, but I mean, it's... Compare Cersei in this scene getting Sansa's uh, direwolf lady killed to, let's say, Ramsay, a bad guy in season... (laughs) You know, five, six, four, whatever, being cartoonishly evil and killing um, Rick and uh, toying with him, and you know, Asha. I could go on and on. Um, right. So I think Cersei is just a better bad guy. Yeah, I, I got such a bad taste in my mouth in these first two episodes. They, the first one ends with shoving Bran out the window, and then this one ends with. 
uh, killing the dire wolf. I agree, which uh, is why I ask why they they put that humanizing moment where she talks to Catelyn about how she lost her first son. Like that's a very a sympathetic story that she tells. Like who is not going to identify? You know, even if you don't have a kid or never, uh, you know, weren't were a parent, you can just imagine what it'd be like losing a child, and that's a horrible thing to experience. So instantly, you give Cersei some sympathy. But then any sympathy that's been given has been removed immediately. Like well, it's not- because, again, I think it makes her look more cold-hearted. She's going in there and telling this lady she's going to pray for a kid and then turns around and tries to have him assassinated. Of course, we disagree about the source of the attempted assassination. Right, but it, regardless, she knows <clears throat> that she's responsible for what happened, even if it's yes. not taking actions going forward. But, yeah, it's it's just curious that they try to humanize her because I think it's completely ineffectual. For because of what happens, you know, here, um, right? She's she's a monster. Yeah, and I never because of these first couple episodes, I'm, I'm realizing in retrospect, I never even really rooted for her as a, as a villain. Um, I, I like I said, I I think I yeah. root for her as a villain compared to what we get later with uh, villains like Ramsey. Sure, <laughs> one of the worst villains ever in a television show. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, like I said cartoonishly pornographically evil yes um and not realistically evil like cersei is cersei's just an entitled vindictive person with a lot of power that's scarier to me than some cartoonish guy that enjoys peeling the skin off of people and uh genitally mutilating them i don't i don't know i I think it's more believable cersei's more of a believable bad guy so that's why i enjoy sure yeah yeah i agree with that all right so where do we go uh after uh lady gets it uh, I, I believe that's it. Oh yeah, because Bran like wakes up, right? Oh yes, actually, to be honest with you, I turned it off before the execution of the Daryl. <laughs> I, I can't take it. I, well, that's I, when I, I came. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, and, and no, but it was it was a heart. <laughs> it was a heartbreaking scene. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I, I say that being like traumatized by the first time. I don't. I, I just didn't need to see that again. So then, I, yes, I did not actually watch, I guess, the last few seconds of it where Brain awakes, but I remember that actually happens. Yeah, and it, it's really rough because uh, Ned knows what he's doing is, like, unforgivable. And, and it's one again, it's it's another thing where, is he doing it for honor? Or what is he doing? Is, is he doing this against his honor? Uh, it's just a tough spot for him to be in. Um but yeah, it's a no-win situation, and he he wants to take responsibility and own it. So I, I mean, I give him credit for wanting to do it instead of some stranger killing uh, Lady. But still, it's just fucked up. But once again, you should feel fine with Lady dying because direwolves don't matter in the show. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because the showrunners Michael victim as the season went along. <laughs> yeah, as the show went along. Right. So it's not a big deal that Lady dies here because the dire wolves basically don't matter. Yeah. Right. I mean, obviously, sure. I don't want to see a uh, you know, I don't want to see a dog die or a wolf die in any show um, because you know, once again, animals are so. I, and once again, this is a, from a guy who eats meat. So uh, nonstop. <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> I said he eat a horse earlier. I would eat a horse. Uh, I would eat a goat. I would eat uh, anything. But like, uh, but seriously, um, coming from a guy who eats meat, it's just uh, I don't. You know, I I think of animals as completely innocent, and it's not like I think I believe in original sin. I just think that like people are in more control of their lives. So when a person dies, um, 
they're not a innocent unless they're a child they're usually not an wholly innocent person they've done some things that are bad uh they've lied they cheated even the best of us um but animals i think don't have any of that they don't have any guile or evil in them so it's rough to see uh an animal killed on screen i don't know chimpanzees are pretty mean I, I, when they bite people's faces off i believe it bite their face off <laughs> and by the way if you haven't seen face off uh you should definitely see it it's a great <laughs> it's a great john woo film uh but anyway um yeah you say that like there's not a great a great john woo film <laughs> I, I did watch, um, I can't remember, Hard Boiled. I saw it in a theater yes. not too mm-hmm. long ago, I think in Boston before I left, um, at the um, Brattle Theater. Shout out to the Brattle Theater. Um, and it was bonkers. It's crazy. Yes. Like, uh, the, like a hospital gets attacked and a, and a guy is like running around with an infant in his arm shooting people left and right. It's it's absolutely, uh, recommend, I can't recommend it enough. So yes, check out Hard Boiled, but before we do that, check out Face Off. All right. Anything else to say about this episode? No, no, I don't think so. All right, give me your uh, sandwich rating. Oof, 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 oof. It's tough. There wasn't a lot of action, but there was a lot of good setup. And uh, we're not on a down note, though. So I'm going to give it a grilled cheese sandwich. Okay, that's pretty good. I'm going to give it a, uh, f- I don't know, not a four. I, I'll give it a four. I'll give it, eh. Whoa. I want to say 3.5. So I, I want to say this is better than average. I'll go with 3.5. Fair um, enough. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this episode. It was cl- completely fine. A um, lot of, you know, a lot of gear turning, but uh, overall great stuff. Yes, agreed. And, uh, but I, I wouldn't even, I, I don't think you can blame them for uh, gear turning at this point because they have so much to set up. Uh, because it's such an immersive world, um, and yeah. you know what? It, yeah. it, they should yeah, automatically have an extra point because there's no Dorn in any of these episodes. I can't, I can't, I can't do that because I, I, I take the stance that Dorn being omitted is something that we are looking forward to, or we give a plus sign about because they fucked it up. It's not like true. <laughs> uh, Dorn isn't bad in and of itself, like. In essence, Dorne isn't bad. Now, obviously, I consider Dorne just like the Iron Islands. I think they're secondary houses that I really don't care about and were introduced too late in the story for my taste. Yes. But that being said, the way they handled the Iron Islands seemed to be much better and with a lot more care than what they did to Dorne. So when people are like, oh, thank God Dorne wasn't in it, that's because they already fucked it up. That's I don't want Dorne in it because I know... Uh, it's the Dorn that that was produced. It's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, great. So as long that's as fair. you understand, I don't, I don't feel the need to elaborate. So, all right, um, that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. The few of you that are left, we're gonna keep doing this for whatever reason. Um, please give us some encouragement by, um, let's say, uh, rating us on iTunes, writing reviews. Uh, you can visit us at. Uh, ashamedofthrones.com. You can even email us at ashamedofthrones at gmail.com. I haven't checked it. I don't think we've got one email. Uh, so give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and if it's negative, I'm going to reply, go fuck yourself. So for Brian and everyone else here at the Ashamed of Thrones crew, we're saying goodbye and see you next Tuesday. Tuesday.
Nein, hat er nicht. Bye, bye! Bye, bye.